Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Come to you from underneath the peach blossom. It's time for an episode of Be Awesome. Find positivity throughout your life and work. Just like our mascot rooster, Steve the Jerk. Hello, Be Awesome listeners, and welcome to episode 99. One episode before 100. Uh, this is each episode's a milestone. We are right in the thick of things with the Be Awesome at BYLR August podcast. And uh, we've got an awesome guest here that I, I just can't wait to dig into. Fresh off a plane from Pakistan, uh, Jen Drummond, who is a, a Build Your Life resume member uh, and reached out to me on, I think it was Sunday. Um, so you were actually on, you got back on Tuesday, right? So, yeah, so I was um, en route. So, so first and foremost, thank you for your interest to be on the podcast. Secondly, what an honor. I, I if I'm not the first podcast, whatever number of podcasts or, or media blitz that you're on uh, after hiking the uh, second highest peak K2 uh, on your journey to hike the seven second highest peaks in the seven continents. Did I say that right? Yeah, 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 yeah oh. definitely. It's a little mouthy. It's like there's a lot of words to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. This is this that that's awesome. Um, so welcome, and um, we're going to dig right into this. Um, first of all, I, I, I got your message. I did a very high-level kind of who is Jen Drummond and what the heck is she thinking. Um, but um, share with the, share with my audience, you know, what what triggered you know deciding to do this this very interesting feat, and then I want to get into the, actually the technical difficulty and everything of this challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was one of those lucky people that got a second lease on life, right? Mm -hmm. I got into a car accident in 2018 that should have taken my life and it didn't, thank God. Um, but that's definitely a point in my life that was a line in the sand, right? Like yep. life before accident, life after accident. When I was pleading with God or whoever you want to say to not die when I first saw the car get hit, I was yeah. like, I promise I'll do something worthwhile, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I survived the accident pretty much um, injury-free and um, then start on this quest of if I'm here, why? Like, mm -hmm. what's my purpose? What can I do to make an impact that will matter? Um so 2019 was a lot of just reflection and where do I want to go from here? Then in the beginning of 2020, we had COVID, right? So that mm -hmm. kind of like slowed down the world a little bit. Um, prior to COVID striking, I was planning on climbing a mountain in Nepal called Ama de Blom, which is a gorgeous mountain. Um, Paramount Pictures uses it as their backdrop and their logo. Okay. But that got delayed. We're working on some math homework over here because of homeschooling. And one of my sons was complaining and I'm like, listen, we do hard things. You got this. Don't worry. And he looks at me and he goes, we do hard things. And why aren't you climbing Mount Everest? Because mm -hmm. to him, Ama de Blom's a bunch of like letters, right? It yeah. doesn't mean anything to him. And I said, well, you work on your math and then let's look into Mount Everest. So I took the opportunity. We kind of researched it and studied it. And um, I said, yeah, mom can do Mount Everest. That's fine. Ended yep. up calling a coach and talking to him about, hey, I'm thinking of doing Everest. What are your thoughts? And he's like, I think you'd be perfect for it. Let's start training, buy this book. So I bought a book called The Uphill Athlete. Um, and in the front of that book, there's some stories of people. And one of the ladies in the front had gotten a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. I don't even remember exactly. But when you have children at home to get them to read, you buy books like the Guinness World Record and you know how many hot dogs someone can consume and all that other kind of stuff. And then half joking, when I was talking to my coach, I said, listen, I could have done that. I could have gotten a Guinness World Record. Like I'm a good person at suffering. 
And he said, you know what, let's find a goal that fits you. He goes, I think we'll think of something. And then over the next couple of months, um, in one of our calls, he's like, Hey, I thought of something. He's like, there's this goal called the seven second summits, which are the second highest point on each continent. They're actually harder than the first seven. Um, you have seven children. You love to travel. You really want something that's respected within the community of what you work. So the seven seconds are very respected within the climbing community. Um, and you could set your Guinness World Record. And I said, all right, let's try it. Let's start. And that's where it began. That's, that is amazing. <laughs> and I just, so you were a climber before this. I mean, you weren't, you, no? No. So I. So Everest was like your, your starting point. <laughs> well, I mean, so when I decided that I wanted to climb Ama de Blom in yeah. Nepal, um, they suggested that I go climb a mountain called Cotopaxi in Ecuador. And so I had first, at one point, I had climbed the Grand Teton in Jackson Hole. Then okay. I flew down to Ecuador and climbed Cotopaxi, um, which is like 19,300 feet. That went really, really well. So then I felt confident to go to climb AMA. And the unique thing about AMA is, I think it's 22,000, just shy of 23,000 feet, but it's mm -hmm. more technical than Everest. So I knew yeah. that if I could handle the technicality of AMA, then I just needed to worry about the altitude of Everest. Um, mm -hmm. And that climb went well. It's actually still one of my favorite climbs, to be honest with you. So I've climbed mm -hmm. all over now and I still love AMA. Um, and so then when I was done climbing AMA, I looked at the seven second summits and the easiest of the seven seconds is called Ojos del Salado, which is located in the Atacama Desert of Chile. And so I went to do that one and um, I did that in December of 2020, summited super like things they don't tell you about a desert that I don't mm -hmm. think people think about. And so I'm there. It's gorgeous, but because there's no like mountains or anything to hold weather in, what mm -hmm. happens is, is like it becomes this convection oven. So in the day it gets really, really hot. And then at yep. night it gets really, really cold because there's nothing holding the heat in. And what shifts that is wind. So the entire time I'm climbing this mountain, it is like, <sighs> and I came home and I said, wind is a form of punishment. Like it yep. is like to listen to wind 12 hours a day can make yep. any normal human go crazy. Um, so I did Ojos del Salado as my first of the seven seconds. And so then how, was, how if, no, not to cut you off, but no, how, how long is, so I, I, I'm, we'll get into my failed 14 or, I mean, I'm like, you're doing double, you're double doing double, double that. Um, you know, my first 14 or that I tried was, was about seven miles round trip and you can do it in a day. You know, you're talking about being up there at night and during the day. And I know it's all of them have different times. But how long did that that hike take you to do and how long was it? So Ojos, I was gone for 10 days door to door. Um, mm -hmm. And mainly you are taking time because you need to acclimatize because you're right. not getting oxygen there. Um, mm -hmm. So you went to this camp like here's here's a sign that you're in a windy area. We go to this camp. And I'm like, OK, well, where do we put our tents? Like, well, actually, all the tents get destroyed here. So that container truck thing mm -hmm. is what you're sleeping in. I'm like, really? Because <laughs> my tent feels a little bit more clean than that container <laughs> thing over there that you built bunk things into and everybody uses. But yeah. so we went to a camp and then we went to a high camp, which is another container. Yeah. And then from there, you summit. God, I don't, I think it was like a 12 hour summit day. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not crazy. Then on Ojos, the last little bit is about a five, six or five, seven rock climb. And mm -hmm. then you get to the top and then you come back down and it's a lot of scree, which I do yeah. not like. I prefer having stiff ground, but it's, it's, uh, Ojos del Salado is actually a volcano. Um, and if you're doing the seven volcanoes, it qualifies as the volcano for South America as well. Um, wow. so that was, a, you know, it was a successful experience. I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. Yeah. I, and my next plan was to do Everest because I had promised my son 
And then I thought Everest would be good training ground for K2. You don't really want mm -hmm. K2 to be your first 8,000 meter peak. Um, mm -hmm. But what happens is when you set a goal and you make it verbal and you mm -hmm. know what your end game is, sometimes little things come up in the meantime. So what had happened, which I thought was fascinating, is a friend had a relationship with a charity in Kenya and they were looking to donate a ambulance. And they said, hey, we heard you had a mountain to climb in Africa, which is Mount Kenya, which is located in Kenya. If you're going, would you mind delivering this ambulance on behalf of our, our charity? I mm -hmm. said, a thousand percent. So all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, when do you want this done? And they said, well, we really like it delivered in February. So I ended up going to Kenya in February of 2021 to climb. Now, mm -hmm. the interesting thing about Kenya is that it's a 20 pitch rock climb. So you're in rock climbing shoes, you're in a harness, you have to physically climb up the mountain. It's not a hike. Mm -hmm. um, Kilimanjaro, which is the highest point in Africa, is a hike. Right. right. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm a little afraid of heights, I think. So yeah. I had to go down to Vegas and train in the Red Rocks. Mm -hmm. And like literally the first day I went, I was, I climbed for an hour. I was exhausted. I got maybe 20 feet off the ground and mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to get ugly. Like I have to do how many pitches? And the thing about Kenya is that it's at the equator. So you only mm -hmm. have sunlight for 12 hours. Yep. So you not only have to climb, you have to speed climb because you don't want to be repelling in the dark. Right. So it was like I had to go to Vegas three times to mm -hmm. work through my fear of heights. Right. And get over that and be like, OK, this is train outable. I'll be fine. We'll go. So luckily I did that. And then the unique thing about Mount Kenya as well is that there's a couple of different peaks on it. So one yep. of the peaks is called Nellian and Nellian is a wonderful place to stop. But the true summit is a spot called Batian that's 33 feet higher than Nellian. But it takes over five hours to get there and to make that peak happen because you have to go through this thing called the Gates of Mist. And mm -hmm. that has snow and rain and ice every single day because... It's such a high point in Africa that it pulls all this weather in. Yep. So, of course, I, my guide there is like, oh, we're done. This is the peak. And I'm like, no, it's not the peak. I know there's a different spot. He's like, no, 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 we're done. And I said, I have to come back to this country and climb this mountain again if we do not get to that peak. So you yep. show me where this flag is that is at the top. And he's like, okay, we have to keep going. So we went and we had to ice climb and do all that kind of stuff and then came back down and it was a crazy experience. Yeah. How do you, so, so I did a, um, so for, for the listeners, you and I have talked for five minutes prior to this. Yeah. We've yeah. Literally, we literally talked to f for five minutes. I was in New, New Jersey in my truck two days ago. Um, and we, we introduced each other brief talk. And so this is a lot of this is fresh and new and, and you know, nothing about me and, and I know just a little bit more. So, I did a Guinness Book of World Records attempt um, twice, um, not quite climbing. It was paddling a giant pumpkin down a river. Um, oh, my God. I love you. Yeah, eight, awesome. <laughs> yeah 800 pound pumpkin. Uh, we tried three miles and eight miles. A friend, uh, Farmer Todd, did, he, he actually got it. I just went along for the ride. But there's all these rules, right, with Guinness. It's like yes. you either need to pay them $10,000 for them to have a judge to, to, to quantify and qualify what you're doing. Or you have to document, record, and have on camera, you know, every paddle we make. So in this journey of what you're trying to do, do you have to do something like that? Like, this, do you have to have everything documented? Do you have to put the proverbial flag in the ground on every peak? And, and how does that, what does that look like? Yeah, no, you do. So we, I have a Garmin that I climb with. And so that mm -hmm. Garmin's a tracker. Um, yeah. So you have to be tracked and then you do have to take pictures at the summit. You have to have mm -hmm. two people verify that you did what you said you did and they have to sign affidavits. And then um, you just hope that nobody would. It's pretty easy with peaks because yeah. 
you have you can see a photo and there's nothing else behind you or whatever else like that but um and some of the peaks like so for example on ojos del salado they had a registrar like a, all the banks in chile put um they sponsored the mountains and so yeah. then they put little like chests on the mountain and then you can sign the registrar book um, mm -hmm. so we took a photo or a video of that happening. And then in Mount, on Mount Kenya, they have a, a flag that is like, I don't know, chained to the ground. It was actually yeah. broken when I was there, but you hold the flag that's chained <laughs> to the ground. See, this is it. Like, I won't pull off the ground. Yeah. I didn't bring it with me. Um, yeah. and here then, I am. Yeah, here I am. So, yeah, yeah they're really strict about it. But, you know, they kind of have to be because getting like just recently you have all these mountaineering expeditions that are setting records, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they found out that most of the people were summiting the false summit of a mountain called Manislu. So Manislu mm -hmm. is one of the 14, 8,000 meter peaks. Mm -hmm. And so then now they're going back and realizing like there's a mad dash for climbing 14, the 14 ers right now not just because mm -hmm. of Nims's movie, but because there's people haven't climbed Manislu. So now they can be like the first American to climb the 14, 8,000 meter peaks or the first two yeah. ever because they were climbing the wrong peak. So it's a deal. It happens. Hi. Here I am. Oh, now I just turned this. I was trying to connect here. Sorry. We, no, have, no, a no. Light, we have a lightning storm. Oh, why is it doing this? You know, I think there's a storm across the country right now, really. Wait, wait. Hang on. Let me shut everything off here. So this was wild. We have, we are in drought. Can you hear me? Yeah. We have been in a drought forever here in Boston, and we just had a nasty set of storms come. Lightning strike, power went out for a minute, and then something happened, and we're back on. So sorry about that. That is the real deal and how this all works. This might be the first time I have to edit so that there's not two minutes of, of downtime. Um, but we were talking about Kenya. We were talking about the climb. Um, while while we're on Kenya, and um, we, we talk about Mount Kilimanjaro when you talk about hiking versus you know what you're doing. Um, I mean, people like me can climb Mount Kilimanjaro, right? And I'm not saying like, of course, I'm, people like you can. Come on now. Right. No, <laughs> yes. but I'm just I'm just saying like people that are in relatively okay shape, yeah, know, with the proper guide and with the timing and with the climate or the uh, acclimating of altitude, um, you have to do. I mean, you have to be doing some pretty insane training. Like you just said, you went down to Red Rock. You're doing like what is your training regimen to plan for this? And you're in Salt Lake City, if I remember correctly. I'm in Park so City. Yep. Park, so, Park City. So you're at seven or eight thousand feet above sea level for your life. So you're yeah. You're that helps park. a ton. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, so I live next to the ski resorts, right? So yeah. those ski resorts turn into hiking grounds in the summer. So yes. I can get vertical because most everything I'm doing is up a mountain. So all of it's vertical training. And then I can cross train with mountain biking. I can cross train with rock climbing, running. Um, any of that kind of stuff. So, so it helps. Yeah, you're 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 in a constant state of some form of activity and seven kids. Um, <laughs> while you said it's e it, while you indicated that it might be easier than my two kids to have seven. <laughs> um, that's that does take up some that that burns some calories too. Just in uh, just in part, just just in getting them to schools and, yeah. and uh, sports and everything. So yeah. Um, yeah. And no, they tease so, me because I'm the mom who is always trying to like do all of it. That's all yeah. of us moms, I guess. That's a definition yeah. of mom trying to do all of it. Right. Um, so I'm the mom who's at soccer practice and yeah. I'll be like maybe running laps. So like around, around the field while he's doing it. So I can get my training in and watch junior do whatever they're doing. Yeah. Uh, or I'll bring like total dorky, but I'll bring like a step up. And then mm -hmm. I'll just like stand on the sideline and just go up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, yeah. And in my room, like the boys tease, I'm like, hey, listen, if you make it easy, you make it happen. Okay, yeah. so we have to make it easy. So like I'll put like one of those Stairmaster steps between my doorway and the hallway. So anytime yeah. I come in and out of my room, I have to do one step up or one step down. Yeah. But at my bathroom, when I'm brushing my teeth, I have like a little step. So I'll just brush my teeth and go up and down. And they're like, yeah. mom, none of our friends' moms do these weird things that you do. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, but it's working, you know, yeah. you're going to be the first yeah. person. Now, before I forget, when we're talking about you being the first person to do this and the, the, the capturing the flag, even if it's broken and all of that, is it, are you going to be recognized in the Guinness book of world records or is there a mountaineering book of records? Like, uh, what, what is that? that what, what do you get for that accomplishment? Like, what right. So I'm hoping to be recognized in the Guinness world record. You can't say that until you are, yep. um, if they are really anal retentive about certain details that I can't provide on mm -hmm. certain mountains, perhaps, um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back and do it for their sake. Cause I know in my heart of hearts that we've done everything right and done everything. Right. Um, so like for example mount um dick Tau is the second highest point in europe and mm -hmm. that's located in russia okay? okay i got super lucky and summited last september yes yeah. september 2021 before russia is in the situation that it's in right now um yeah. i don't know when we'd be able to go back and climb in russia but on my way there they lost all of my luggage so I landed in Russia and had none of my gear. And Russia is like a technical climb. So you need to have, when they're technical, you need your boots to fit as tight as possible because you're yes. front pointing into the ice. And right. if you're not in your boot tight, then your foot slips and it just doesn't feel secure. So I land in Russia and I had bought all this gear, tested it all out. I'm like ready to go and none of it arrives. And we mm -hmm. have the weather window and they're like, the weather window's now. So we either climb now or you're not climbing. And I'm like, okay. So we go to a rental store in Russia and I like one women are not my size in Russia. Um, mm -hmm. and nor are they very big climbers. So I'm in gear that like belongs to boys, which is, I don't care, <laughs> but it just doesn't like nothing fits. My backpack doesn't fit. Like, the, the pants don't fit, the boots don't fit, like nothing. And so I didn't have my Garmin for Russia because it was in my bag. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there was a guy on my team that tracked on his Garmin. We took mm -hmm. photos at the top. There was like a pole that we could stand next to to know that you're at the top. Um, I climbed with two Russian guides and then an American guide and then a guy named Chase and myself. So we took photos, we did everything, but if for some reason Guinness says like, Hey, this isn't legit. Right. Like, Not good okay, enough. I'm sorry. We got caught in an electrical storm on the way down and got electrocuted. And I mean, it was just like, the, Russia is so Russia and it's yeah. such a difficult land. Like it's crazy. We were like, all of a sudden I had an ice axe on my back and I'm like, I am hot. Why am yeah. I like, why is my, like, I'm, I'm like, why is my back hot? And he's like, Oh, it's connection. It's connection. Like throw your ax. So I threw my ax and it disconnected. Yeah. And then I'm walking a little bit further and I felt like it started hailing, but I don't see hail. So I'm like, why is it? And then he's like, Oh, it's connecting drop to the ground. So I dropped to the ground. So we had to drop to the ground, like all of us for about an hour, like just getting rid of the electrical current that was building in the storm. It was crazy. Wow. I know. Well, meanwhile, meanwhile, I've got the thunder and lightning storm outside my window just going, I don't know if you can hear it, but it's like, it's wild. Um, and I'm, I'm welcoming it as long as I don't lose power again. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 No, well, that's cool. Well, hopefully you get it. I mean, I, I think that there's enough, there's, there's enough, uh, uh, evidence that should be out there, but Guinness is definitely an interesting and I get it, you know, the name in the book that's got to stick, but that's, that's pretty wild. So, so you've, so I'm checking off the mark. So you've done Russia. Yep. You've done Africa. You've done um, South America, right? Yes. You've done um, Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. Antarctica is awesome. I was going to say, like, you don't, people don't typically go to Antarctica for anything other than like exploratory stuff and to hike the second or the, the highest right. peak in Antarctica, right? Right, right. right? right, right. Yeah, well, what is, it was just what, like, so. it's so surreal, right? So you, yeah. we, in the United States, you typically go with a company called ALE. They pretty much mm -hmm. run, they run all the expeditions if you want to do any kind of mountaineering. Okay. If you mm -hmm. want to see penguins or different things, you can do a different expedition. But so if you go with ALE, 
you have to fly into Punta Arenas, Chile. Okay. So that's okay. like the southernmost point of Chile. And then the reason why is because they can fly a 757 jumbo jet. Mm -hmm. And if weather gets bad, once they are above it has enough fuel to be able to because there's no runway, right? There's no control tower. There's no lights on the runway. So they have to have perfect sun to come mm -hmm. in and see their shadow and make sure that they land on that snow perfectly. And so it's like a, it's a natural blue ice runway in the area that we land in. Mm -hmm. And um, so then you land there and there's no color. Like you don't even think mm -hmm. about it, but there's no color. There's no green. There's no plants. There's no nothing. All it is is ice, white, and then like rock that you can see yeah. in the sky. Right. And then there's no animals. Like unless you're out at the coast where you can run into penguins or different things inland there's nothing so you don't mm -hmm. hear sound right you don't hear bird you don't hear bugs you don't hear i mean it's just yeah. bizarre and before you get on the airplane you actually have to step into this like antibacterial mix so mm -hmm. that you don't truck anything in on your shoes huh. right and then they spray all your stuff with antibacterial because they're afraid of which i totally understand of bringing in some kind of bacteria that like becomes ice melting or something yeah Right. Like even yeah. when you're in Antarctica and we're at Union Glacier, which is like the home base that all the expeditions come out of, you are going to the bathroom in like porta potties and they fly all that back to Chile. They don't mm -hmm. leave any of that in Antarctica. It is a hundred percent no trace, which is fascinating, but just crazy to think about. Yeah. And wow. then so then when you're at Union Glacier, now you have to wait for good weather to fly to the different locations where you'd start your expedition. So you fly these twin otters um, and it's not like a nice airplane that we're used to flying like Delta that is mm -hmm. all fabricated and has whatever. Right. I mean, it is. Yeah. Like, hey, you're sitting next to the sleds and this, that and the other thing and hold on. Yeah. And like it's you feel like you're flying in a tin can because right. nothing's been made pretty, right? And you're like, right. okay, well, I'm sure this is safe. So we flew to Mount Vincent. Um, Mount Vincent's the highest point in Antarctica. We climbed that first because it's much easier and it allows us to acclimatize. Mm -hmm. um, so then when we were done with Mount Vincent, it's a 45, it was about a 15 minute flight to Tyree base. And it's mm -hmm. fascinating because I went with four guides and myself um, the reason why we do four guides is because there are no helicopter rescues in Antarctica. If something mm -hmm. goes wrong, we need the manpower to carry the injured human down the mountain. Um, and so they allow one client to four guides. And we mm -hmm. fly in the twin otter with like coolers worth of food and tents and everything else. There's no, there's nothing, right? So you land and there's like 18 inches of snow. And so what we're doing at first is stomping down all the snow to get a flat platform to be able to build our tents. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it was just like, and then that plane leaves and you're like, okay, well we're by ourselves. So I guess yeah. like this is happening. Yeah. Um, so we set it all up. And so Tyree, we actually brought our skis so that we could ski to the base of it. And mm -hmm. then you hike up to camp one. Um, we set up our tents on camp one. And then we came back down to base camp. And then the next day, like we had three weeks budgeted for a window to climb. And they're like, the, you have the window tomorrow. So you guys should start going. And we're like, okay. Wow. So then we went up the next day. And prior to us, you only have one camp on Tyree because it's so steep. There's nowhere else to put one. Mm -hmm. And it is a 21 pitch ice climb. And mm -hmm. so what we is so You've, you've used numbers a couple of times with pitch. What does that mean? What does so that 21 means pitch mean? Like you have a rope that's maybe mm -hmm. 120 feet long. That's between mm -hmm. me and the next guy. So okay. then he'll climb up to a spot. And then once he gets to that spot, then it's safe for me to climb. And okay. when we use that rope once, that's one pitch. Okay. Okay. And then we get to the next spot and then we use the rope again. And Tyree's really steep. So you're using ice axe, ice axe, toe pick, toe pick, ice axe, ice. So your yep. calves are screaming, right? Like yep. they're done. Um, 
So before we did Tyree, the group that did it before us, it took them 24 hour push to summit. Mm -hmm. We got lucky. I think the weather was nice. Um, everything worked out. Ours was 18 hours, but you're going for mm -hmm. 18 hours solid pushing up. We got to the top then came back down. We slept at camp one the next day we came down. And so then we're thinking, all right, we made it. We did it. This is amazing. Now we have two and a half weeks to play in this wonderland of all these mountains next to us. And we yeah. got a call from Union Glacier on the radio because we had a radio in twice a day to let them know that we were safe or things were good. Um, they're like, hey, a storm's coming in. We either come get you now or we might not be able to come get you for like, two, we don't know, two weeks based on what the storm looks like. And mm -hmm. we're saying, like, I think we take the opportunity to exit when we yeah. have it <laughs> just yeah. to be safe. But the coolest thing about Tyree is that I was the second female to summit, the first American female to summit. The lady that summited it before is a guide and she mm -hmm. was doing some work for um, mapping. So she was putting, uh, technology on the top of mountain so they could check what was going on with weather and things like that mm -hmm. when you're on that mountain and like we were at camp one and it like just dawned on me i'm like had i been born when my mom was born or when my grandma was born i would have never had that opportunity right mm -hmm. like i'm in this perfect timing and world that right. women have rights we have this ability to climb and it was so empowering i'm like when i get that flag up there I mm -hmm. am like, here it is, ladies. Where are you taking it next? Like, right. it was so awesome to be just a part of that story. Well, it's a, you know, it's, it's a Roger Bannister. It's a four-minute mile, right? You're 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 blazing you're blazing a trail for the first time with the hope that people beat it. And I'm in no way, shape, or form comparing a pumpkin paddle to doing what you're doing. But yeah, no, but you want to. What was, what was fun? What was funny was nobody had ever done it before. And then Todd did it. And and then the two weeks later, a woman in Washington, Oregon did 18 miles. We did eight. And then two weeks after that, somebody in North Dakota did 24 miles. So it's like, it's it's one of those putting that, setting that stake or setting that bar at a point where people want to strive to to do it. Obviously, the next step after you reach right, it. Right, right, right. And once, it just once you reach it, someone's going to, they're going to say, well, I want to do it the fastest, right? There's that movie on, um, yes. I don't know if it's Netflix or whatever it is, the, the guy that did all of the the 8,000 meter yeah, mountains yeah, yeah. And, and like a short stint of time, um, yep. which was, which was insane. Um, I want to go completely kind of off topic. You're adventurous. Like you're, you're like amazing as far as what you're just like nonchalant. Yeah. You know, we flew down to Antarctica, we landed on, a, on, on ice and, you know, then we got on a small plane and then we climbed up this mountain and then we went on 21 lengths of rope and did all stuff before your car accident. Um, were you this, outgoing adventurous daredevil i mean and then the second part of that question is are you are you ever scared with any of these climbs like i'm just i'm imagining i'm looking at some pictures of k2 and stuff um and i'm going yeah i i, I don't even know that i'd make it to base camp um and you're just like smiling like ear to ear in your picture on the bylr post so were, were you was, did this come out after your car accident and you became like did you become more adventurous or were you you know, did you have this mindset prior to your car accident, I guess is basically my, my, my question. Yeah. You know, I think I carry a curious spirit, like curiosity rules mm -hmm. my life. Um, and then I do feel like we're most alive as humans when we're pushing our limits, mm -hmm. right? Like when we're in our limits, we're comfortable or whatever. But then when we start pushing them and figuring out like where our edges are, mm -hmm. that's where I feel my best self. Um, I will say that I'm definitely more open to trying things, more curious about things, more daring since the car accident. And mm -hmm. maybe a little background on that. So like I am in this car accident and they have no clue how I survived. Like they, the, they built the accident 50 times after the accident happened and mm -hmm. tried to build a scenario where I lived and couldn't build one. Like they're like, we we could not build a scenario where you lived. Then we tried 50 times, right? Yeah. And then so I'm in this accident. I'll see if you can even see some of these pictures. Oh nope, wrong photo. Sorry. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. So cars totaled. Yeah. And um not a month later, 
does a girlfriend of mine go hiking on a trail that you can push a stroller, but she's mm-hmm. jogging it. It's a little damp out. She somehow steps on a rock funny, hits her head and passes away instantly. Mm. Okay. And like, to me, it just was, I survived this crazy thing. Right. And then my girlfriend's doing something that we do every day with our eyes essentially closed mm-hmm. and she passes away. And I just, I walked away from that saying, I don't have any say on when I leave, Yeah, but I sure have a say on how I show up. Right. So I better start living my life to like the max doing things, not being scared, not writing a story in my head that's preventing me from being me. And as long as I'm like not squirrel suit jumping or doing crazy things, Mm -hmm. then I'm living and I'm respecting the gift of life. Yeah. But if I stop doing that and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go out because I don't want to get hit by a car or I don't want to fall and hit a rock on my head and die. Mm-hmm. Then what's the point of even living? Yeah. Right. So I, I love how you, I love how squirrel squirrel suit squirrel suit flying is the is the barometer. Kind of I think. You know, climbing the second highest peak in the seven continents. That that's not that's, <laughs> that's, that's I know, but like what happens <laughs> when you climb a mountain is yeah. like you take one step at a time. Yes. So when you take that one step at a time, it's not this vertical scary thing. Now there's scary sections, but yeah. you just have to remind yourself, I only have to go one foot in front of the other. And then once this is done, this section's done. And yes. the nice, like K2 is scary, a thousand percent. And it's not even so scary about what you climb the mountain on. It's a monster to get to the mountain. Like it's mm-hmm. 70 miles to get to the mountain. It's 70 miles to get away from the mountain. And it's not like there's a spot to get a Coca-Cola or a Snickers bar. Like you're mm-hmm. packing up your tent, you're putting it away, you're pulling it back out, you're packing it up, you're putting it away, pulling it back you're out. You're hiking 70 miles each way to get to. Yeah. So how long were you out there? Um, I was there for five weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a monster. Yeah, K2. So like, and the nice thing about K2 is like when you're on the mountain, you're yeah. in a harness and you're in a rope and you're like yeah. at least like tied off to something to some level. I mean, yeah. that rope can rip and things can happen. But like when you're trekking in and out of there, like we're on this glacier that's moving. OK, yeah. like you hear water. All of a sudden we're walking this section and I'm hearing water like 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 flowing like a like a waterfall i'm like there's no waterfall and they're like actually underneath this glacier in this section there's this huge tunnel that the water all runs under and it's a waterfall and we actually had two people drown at base camp this year because in the daytime the water's melting more from the mountains because the sun's coming down so then what might have been if you had walked in this path at 6 a.m you might Mm -hmm. be in water that's 12 inches deep, right? right? At four in the afternoon in that same spot, you can be three feet deep. Right. Okay. Because there's just, that's where the water runs. So it all collects and that's what happens. And a guy stepped down. That's like an experienced climber from Pakistan. And he thought it was going to be just this shallow little ledge and he slipped and then it sucked him underneath the glacier and done. I mean, yeah. it's crazy what can happen there. Yeah. No, I, I, I was in a, I, I took a helicopter in Alaska out to some glaciers and the, those, the, and the water is flowing and it looks so pretty and you just want to p- cup your hand and take a sip of it. And then all of a sudden there's like this hole and, and our, and our guide was like, yeah, you don't want to go too close. It's like you slip and you go down there. It's, it's going to be like a couple hundred thousand years before we find you. Uh, it's just all the underwater. Well, it's spit you under, out again. Right. Under, yeah. Under glacier rivers and waterfalls and things. So, um, so just on K2, how many other people are, you know, you got to walk 70 miles out, you got to walk 70 miles. How many, how many people do you run into? Like, is this just like a, a, a caravan of, like, is there, is there, are there people constantly going up and down or, you know, because Everest, I, I read an article and I could be, tell me if I'm wrong, but like Everest is like overpopulated with people at times. Like there's so many people attempting to climb that it's, it actually makes the climb that much harder, not because of the technicality, but because of the, 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 the crowding of people. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. So typically like K2 has been, for example, prior to this year, K2 had only been summited by 400 people. Okay. Everest gets summited by 
ever. Yeah, there's been more people in space than on the top of K2 prior to this year. You can't say after okay. this year. This year, there's record numbers on K2 for sure. Um, the day that I summited, there was, I think, over 100 summits, wow. which is like, that's the biggest summit day K2's ever seen. So mm-hmm. we're probably at like 520 some summits total in existence for K2 now. Prior wow. to this year, we were not even at 400. Um, so why is that? Uh, well, one, I think mountaineering is becoming more like Mm -hmm. a a hobby for more people. Ever since NIMS came out with the 14 Peaks movie, I think more people are trying to do the 14 Peaks. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really interesting this year because of maybe the 120 summits total for the season. And I know I'm a little bit low, but right in that Mm -hmm. range, I think around 30 were women. Um, which that's huge because prior to this year, it's been summited by like 20 women total. Mm-hmm. Right. So now we're up to 50. And a lot of the women that were climbing this year were from the Middle East and of Muslim religion, of mm-hmm. different um, oppressions that they have been like kind of waving their flag and saying, hey, we're, we're moving forward. Here's mm-hmm. like the new way it is for women to respond in our cultures. Um it's been awesome. Like that's probably been the secret win of getting into this climbing. Um, one, mm-hmm. you connect with people. Like I'm a minority as a U.S. citizen for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm a minority as a female for sure. Um, and you run into other people, and it's like an area that we can all connect on because you don't need to be have a certain level of education to be an awesome mountaineer. You don't have to have a certain level. Like it's just such a connecting ground. And then just being able to empower other women. When I climbed K2 this year, I went in 2021 and did not summit. We had a terrible experience. I decided that it wasn't safe and I came back to the U.S. So I went to attempt it for my second time this summer. And I did not want to go. I had PTSD from 2021. So Mm -hmm. to make it that I wanted to go, I actually ended up sponsoring a few Pakistani climbers to be able to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, is that unfortunately they just don't have enough money to actually climb these mountains in their own countries because the oxygen is so expensive and other things for them. So I'm like, okay, well, the only way that I'm going to be excited to go back to K2 is if I'm part of something bigger than me or something that makes something possible for somebody else. So I sponsored four people, all four of them summited, which means they all now have jobs for life in that mountaineering community. Um, Mm -hmm. for Pakistan if they decide that they want to continue in that. And it's just an amazing experience. It was awesome. And you said oxygen. So you're, you're, you're using oxygen. Do you have to carry oxygen tanks or is there some sort of magical device that you put on it? They're coming out with something. They don't have it yet, but they're coming out with something (laughs) right now. Of course, of course we are. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, they need to, because it would actually make everything safer because right now, whether you're breathing in or out, you're mm-hmm. using the oxygens continuously flowing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right now they're working on a device that allows it that the oxygen only flows when you breathe in. So then okay. it stops the oxygen so that you can breathe out, which would allow like less tanks to need to be used and allow less like weight to have to be carried. It would make it like safer for everybody. So mm-hmm. they're in the works of that. They just haven't been like advanced enough to be able to carry them forward. But I'm really looking forward to that just for the community and making it safer for everybody. So you're close. I'm close. Five done. Five done, two to go. When are the, when are the final two slated? I mean, you literally have to like put a date out there and and hope, I mean, you, you go whether there's, as long as there's weather enough for you to be able to, to, do it safely, you're going to do it, right? So you, oh, you yeah. choose the, the best time of year to climb, the best you know number of yep. days, what have you. So do you, you have the two dates of the remaining two and what are they? Well, okay. So here's like a little caveat. So there's a dispute on the seven second summits. Okay. So okay. we'll start with that. So some people think the second summit is in Australia. So then that would be Mount Townsend, which is going to be the easiest one. It'll be a hike up. In fact, if I do, when I do that one, because I will do it, I'm going to try to bring my children to do it with me because they'll mm-hmm. be able to. It's that easy. Mm-hmm. Then you have Sumantri, 
um, which is in West Papua, which is in Indonesia. That shares the same space as Papua New Guinea. So West Papua has been closed since 2018, um, not because of COVID, but because of political unrest. So there's mm -hmm. like a gold mine there. There's like tribes that don't want to be part of Indonesia. They don't want to be part of West Papua. Like it's a mess. So mm -hmm. that country was supposed to open in August and mm -hmm. it still has not opened. All the expeditions for September have just been canceled. Um, so I'm hoping whenever West Papua opens, I will go. Mm -hmm. Like there's mm -hmm. not like that climbing season is actually 20, like all year round because mm -hmm. of like the location. And then I'll go climb Mount Townsend in Australia, which can be climbed in the summer, the winter. It's just a hike. So that mm -hmm. call that my sixth climb or whatever. There's two of them there waiting for mm -hmm. that to open. My seventh is Mount Logan. So Mount Logan is the North America one. Um, it can be climbed in the month of May. So that's the month that you can climb it. We actually... Yeah, it's because what happens is like you saw crevasses. If you go in June or July, mm -hmm. those crevasses get so wide that you right. can't get around them, right? And then if mm -hmm. you go before then, they get so much snow and everything else that it's crazy. I went to Mount Logan in May of this year and attempted it. Um, the difference between Mount Logan and Denali, for example, Denali gets about 1,500 permits a year. Mount mm -hmm. Logan this spring got 25 Okay, so we go to climb it. We're six of the 20 or seven of the 25 permits. And our main guide gets altitude sickness. The airplane that takes you on and off a glacier breaks. So then we become part of Parks Canada. Parks Canada said there's a storm coming in. It's negative 65 degrees and then a wind chill, which yes. is colder than where I've been in Antarctica and colder than the top of Everest. Okay. So then they're like, Hey, the storm's coming in. We don't have the bandwidth to have rescue everywhere. We're pulling you guys off the mountain before it gets dangerous. So they pull us off the mountain, leave all of our gear on the mountain because they don't have time to get our gear. And then mm -hmm. we wait in Canada for a week till we can go back and get our gear and then fly home. So I'm hoping to do Mount Logan in May of 2023. Wow. And like Parks cool. Canada knows me because I like threw such a fit. I'm like, well, I'm going to wait until the weather goes and you're going to drop me back off there and then I'll finish. And yeah. the guy's like, no. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do that. And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, I'm back next year. He's like, I'm not doubting it for one second. <laughs> so. well, what was the temperature on the top of K2 last week? So K2, actually, I don't even know, but it was warm. It might have been like negative 20, which... Yeah. That's, I know that's warm. Warm, 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 warm. But like in mountaineering terms, I'm in yeah. 8,000 meter boots. I'm in this yeah. like huge 8,000 meter puffy like outfit. Like that is warm. Like you yeah. could put it this way. We could take off our oxygen masks on K2 and at the top for photos and put them back on without them freezing. When wow. I was on Everest, the weather was bad the day that we summited. And it was so bad that you weren't allowed to take your mask off because it would freeze and block up all the oxygen and it wouldn't work anymore. Wow. So to me, I was like, hey, this is, we're winning. We got warm weather. It's blue skies. We're happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was flying back from, uh, I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico a couple of weeks ago and you had one of the, uh, I did the LAX, LAX to Boston um, red eye. That was in one of those fancy seats with the big TV that's got the map and it, you know, shows the temperature and the temperature at 36,000 feet is always like at least negative 50. So I figure oh, yeah. yeah. 29,000 feet, it's, it's going to be cold year round, but you know, yeah. hey, not, not too bad. Negative 20. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, um, we are really lucky. The, the, one of the things I want to talk about a couple more things, which is, um, you know, climbing these seven peaks, we say, you say you're going to climb them and, and a lot of people don't think about you get to the top, you're only halfway there. Yes. Um, the descent is hard. I was going to say that's, that's the, the harder of the two, in my opinion, with my one experience. Um, first of all, wear and tear on your body is actually really hard. And then um, for me, I'm impatient. Like then yeah. I, and I didn't, I didn't reach my key peak, but I got as far as I could, which is like, 13.5 I think. You were like the, right there. Yeah. Yeah, I was close. Yeah. And it's there's a YouTube video of me just before I kind of collapsed and gave up. But uh yeah. um you know the hike down is is it's you get to the top you get to well I got to the point that I got to once I collected my thoughts. I'm like, I can't believe I'm 
this far up. I made it this far. And Aaron Ralston, who was my 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 dear friend and 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 guide and and motivator, he said exactly what you said, which is you know because we're at the bottom it was Quandary Peak in Colorado, which is it's it's the thirteenth highest peak in the in the state. It was actually the first peak for first fourteener that he climbed out of all of them in the state, which oh, was kind of cool. cool. Um, and I was completely overwhelmed when we were in the parking lot. It's <laughs> like, hey man, just just one front one foot in front of the other, and yep. just like look, look down, don't look around, just kind of look at your feet, make sure you know make sure you go in the right direction, and, and one foot in front of the other, we'll get there. Um, which for someone that's impatient, that's tough, right? Because you just want you just want to get there, pacing yourself and doing all. Oh, that. I know all of that fueling, um, eating while you're going. Yeah. Um, so so I guess it's it's kind of probably a two part question. You know, when you get to that when you get to that flag to the top, when you get to the top of K two, you know that that, that there's got to be a feeling of exhilaration, then elation, and then yikes! Now I got to climb down. Um, you probably have a million thoughts in your head, like. What is that? What is it? I mean, that's got to be it's it's got to be like an addictive. It's got to be like almost like a drug, right? Like the first time you do it, you're like, yeah, oh, I can't wait to get to the next one. Oh, yeah. It's almost like this is going to sound a little woo woo, but it's almost you get to the top and it's like you've connected with your soul again. Right. And you're just you're you're everything. You're the mountain. You're the air. You're the sun. You're the all of it. Right. Like I. It's so bizarre, but when I'm on the top of the mountain, I feel like I'm right next to my children versus mm-hmm. 7,500 miles away from them. And then right. what happens is there's like, okay, I figured it out. I got it. I'm here. And it's like, you go throw your soul out into the world again, and now you got to go find it again. And the mm-hmm. fun is in the find. The fun is in the chase. The fun is in all, like, you know, like people think we climb these mountains for the top, mm-hmm. Right. And we climb the mountains for the top. We would take a helicopter, land at the top, snap some photos and take right. a helicopter and go to the next one. Mm-hmm. You really, what you climb these mountains for is like the, the symbolism of all these times I could have said no. All mm-hmm. these times I could have turned around. All these times where I was like, I can't, I won't, I refuse. And yeah. you do. And then it all comes into one at the very, very top. And it is, it, there's just not words for it in our language. Right. Like it is, it is just, it is a feeling that surpasses all, right? Yeah. It, and encompasses all. And so then you realize, like, I want the challenge. And this is what's awesome about mountain climbing is, like, whether you want to get into podcasting or book writing or starting a business or doing anything, you realize the true joy and glory and fun is in the moments of overcoming. Right. Like you all of a sudden you start welcoming the challenges or you're welcoming the setbacks because you realize like this is going to be over. It's going to be right. done. And when it's done, I'm not going to get this back. So how can I take this in as much as possible yeah. and just and experience it. Like it, it had it happened right after my car accident. Like before my car accident, my kids would fight. And I'd be like, oh my God, my fighting again. <laughs> when you get out of a car accident and you're alive, you're like, oh, they have two opinions. And they're yeah. so passionate about their opinions that they want to like get their opinion onto the other human. And how awesome is it that they're that convicted of their being right? Like it right. no longer is like, shut the F up, <laughs> like for yeah. lack of better words. Now it's like, oh, I love that you have this passion and this like desire and this like, like it just changes everything. Yeah. And so when you come down from these mountains, you're like, give it to me, challenge me. Let me see what it is because that's where I become me. Mm-hmm. Right. You, yeah. Did you, so from your first climb to K2, how many times, what do you think your percentage of drawdown? Like how many, how many times on your first climb are you like, I've had enough. So my my first and only climb, I know I there were three points where I gave up. Like they were, I know exactly where they were on the mountain. If I walked back, I probably want to quit on those three points even now, because uh, it's been four years. But yeah. you know, did you did you were there points on K two that you were just like, no, I, I don't want to go any further, um, or did you kind of work out work out the kinks of of quitting in your brain because it's you know your, your ability to endure. It's it's your it's my friend David Cook's greatest saying is your your, uh, your ability to endure, endure is far greater than your willingness to endure. So it's your yeah. brain, oh, totally. your brain saying, I, I, I give up, but your body can do it. So did you, 
Did you I had a down? breakdown on K2. Like, so I was <laughs> sick. So I got so sick. I've been on, I went on three antibiotics. Um, yeah. Then I got hives from the antibiotics. Then I was like finally feeling good. And then we were ready to go up for summit push. And then I got sick again the day before. And I lost like over 15 pounds at this point. And I'm like, I put all this time into gaining this weight to be able to like handle this mountain. And I'm in my weakest state. So we're climbing up the mountain. And the only thing I can eat right now that's not giving me stomach problems is boiled potatoes. Okay. So we're like, we're at this point that's super hard. It's really hot, but you can't take off your outfit because you have nowhere to put it. So you have to wear it. And we're going to take a break and have a snack. So I'm like at my max and I'm like, okay, well, at least we're taking a break. So I open up my boiled potato out of the aluminum foil and it's skin on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I started sobbing. Okay. Like I, like, I don't like the texture of skin on my baked potato. And I'm on this like the deadly mountain. You guys can't even get my potato. Right. Like, I'm like, just like a two-year-old. Right. So you have this two-year-old temper tantrum. Like my friends, like I'll peel the potato for you. It's fine. Give me your potato. I'll take off the skin. Like everybody's trying to like quick fix the problem. Cause it's not a problem. And then two minutes later, you could just start dying laughing. You're like, I'm 40 something years old. I'm climbing the deadliest mountain in the world. And I'm going to cry because I have freaking skin on my baked potato. Like what? Yay. Yes, we're back. You yeah, know, so- <laughs> the, the story cut my internet. This is this has been wild. Like you talk about your electrical, electric, electrical storm in Russia is now over here in east yeah where it's just replaying real life and mountaineering like you have these little (laughs) glitches and everything you're doing so yeah like so i had this like meltdown about my baked potato right but then like the funny thing is is like that's the story that we all remember yeah remember jen the tough ass that like starts bawling because her baked potato has skin (laughs) on it and like so we can like we laugh about it we joke about it we tease about it but i needed to get those emotions out so i got them out pulled myself back together and now we can giggle and it's fine and that's life like know that these hard moments are so bad in the beginning but at some point if you can find humor in that like you win you win you're good well that's laughter is the laughter is the best possible thing to do um i gotta tell you before i lose power an electrical storm this has been amazing like you are just like like this is i can't wait to see you finish uh you know when when you finish this is going to be exciting and i'm going to follow along i think that um i'm just i'm just amazed i'm just i'm i'm looking and saying you were you were climbing down 70 you were hiking down 70 miles of of terrain from climbing the second highest peak but the arguably hardest peak um a week ago yeah like it's kind of surreal uh, <laughs> for me to just to even have you on on here not knowing who you, and i didn't know who you were a week ago i know isn't that fun don't you it's, love that's what's I, fun about byLR you meet these yeah. like amazing people they didn't know but you're like well they're in the group so they have to be cool well that's well that's the whole thing so i mean i was i was um so i i, I didn't have a similar experience it wasn't a car accident it was a prime rib sandwich um, I actually almost choked to death, uh, eating a prime rib sandwich in, in wow. 2017. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, cause I didn't do all that stuff. And, and, uh, the co-host that on my other be awesome podcast, uh, Paul Anastasia saved my life. He gave me the Heimlich maneuver, broke two ribs and longer story for another day. But, um, yeah, so it's, it, it, um, so it had all these, but started be awesome four years ago, had a whole bunch of things happen. I, I uh, lost a job that I had for 17 years, helped grow to to what just got sold for over a billion dollars, and and uh, was was one of the first employees, and had all like these kind of um, strange defining moments in life where I was like, hey, I got to figure some things out because I'm just a disaster. I'm still still par- partly, you know, I tell people all the time, I get I'm not always awesome, even though my companies be awesome. I don't have all the answers, and there's times that I'll get mad because there's skin on a baked potato too for no reason. Yeah, I love exactly. the skin on a baked potato. We're so. all allowed to throw a fit about skin on our baked potatoes. Yeah. Today, so let's call so, it there. So I started following Jesse Itzler on Instagram because I heard about his Hell on a Hill a couple of years ago and living with a seal and living with the monks and kind of just was like fascinated by some of the stuff. And then I heard about the BYLR calendar and all this. And then I was like, looked at the membership and I was like, well, that's a lot of money. And I sat on it for about a month, right? I'm like, do I, do I do this? Do I make the commitment? How, how invested am I willing to be? And so I did it for new year's. That was my new year's oh, resolution was awesome. to just 
just jump on and, and do it. And uh, so I went on the first call in Jan- January and I was like, it just paid for itself. Like yeah. just listening to Jesse yeah. for an hour, it paid yeah. for itself right there. Um, followed along in February, followed along in March. And then April, May, I think June, I was flying for each of the monthly because I want to do the live calls, like the recording calls, like every statistic. They're not the shows, same energy. They're different. Right. Every yeah. every statistic shows that you you don't even get to it. You don't even go go to it. So, um, but I I did the July call and I started getting more active on the on the um, member chat and all that, and I started seeing and I had in, in, I had interacted with no members. Like okay. I was, I was doing all of the the professional development, following and bettering myself, and the the one hour sessions with Jesse. But I did no real interaction with any members. But I was seeing like all these people having like cool stories and putting things on, and um, and so the July call, there were a couple people that asked questions or made comments, and then there was the podcast, how to build, how to start your own podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so I don't know. One day after the 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 hour with Jesse in July, I was like, you know what? There's a whole bunch of people I don't know. Um, fifteen hundred to be, you know, somewhere around yeah, that exact. Right, right. Um so a lot of them have never been on a podcast. I've got over two hundred and fifty episodes total in my life, you know, accrued. And I do it a lot differently. So I don't have set days and time. So whenever my guests can do it and I can do it, that's when we do it. I don't edit. I'm gonna try to edit out the dead time of the lo- power loss. But if I don't, that's okay, because I want it to be raw and real, and I want it to be genuine and authentic, and I don't want people to think that I don't say uh or um or any of that other stuff. Um, and somehow we were able to be in the first top 2.5% globally for podcasts. So I try to tell people, just be you, just do your thing, and don't don't read every book and how to do it, because it's going to take too long. Right. And so I was like, for August, I'm just going to do BYLR members. It's going to be Be Awesome with BYLR members. Put it out there. And the uh, first two times, first two messages I got, like nothing. Um, and then I just, I was like, I'm just going to keep messaging and keep putting that out there and keep putting that out there. And, and, and it truly is all you have to do is be a member and you're on like the first one, Joe Bafia, he wanted to talk about his, his vacation rental book. And we talked about life and he, he didn't get to climb his, my Sogi, Masogi was the climb of 14 or the highest one and the lower 48 and he didn't get to do it. So now we're, you know, potentially going to be climbing a, a 14 or together at some point. And then, <clears throat> And then Mark Resnick, who who happens to be that guy David Cooks that I referred to, it's his brother-in-law. He lives in Milwaukee. Heard him on a podcast, and he he created my Masogi. He's like Josh. Be awesome. Was supposed to be a book four years ago. You haven't even started writing it. That's going to be your Masogi. You're going to finish the book, and I'm going to help you. Never met the guy. And he also lives. He lives 15 minutes from me. Oh, so like, uh, I love um, it. And then like meeting you and having just a message, and then us talking for five minutes. Like that's really cool. So I'm I'm looking for the the next members that want to come on um, and share their stories and it can be whatever. I mean, we can talk about nothing. We can talk about thunder and lightning storms taking power out. It doesn't matter to me. So, but right. what I'm finding is there's some really, really cool people on, on this group and well, a big reason why I'm going to continue to stay on it. You know, that's, yeah. it's, the, it's not just Jesse, which is what the primary reason I came on for it's, it's everybody. So it's, it's very cool. Is this your first year or have you been following it along? Yeah, no, this is my first year. And so in like with Jesse's speeches, one of the things I did back in February, right? So I we have a place in Park City and then we had like a little condo place in Park City that wasn't being used for the month of March. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give big and BYLR and see what happens. So Mm -hmm. I offered up the condo for free for anybody that wanted to come for in March. And I mm-hmm. had five people take me up on it. And so then they came like, well, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, nothing for me. Just give back some other way, right? Give mm-hmm. back some other way. And then the people that weren't able to use it or weren't interested in use it, because I made that offer, mm-hmm. they were like, hey, I have a guest house here. I have a place here. I think that's so amazing that you were so generous. Please know that anytime you want to use one, or, I mean, like, the um, generosity and the desire to help and improve and empower within mm-hmm. that community is it's not matched yeah. it's unbelievable i missed that i would have gone to a condo in park city yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no see and that's like the thing like where people <laughs> miss it's like oh i put it out there once and i didn't get any like response yeah. no you put it out there once and it just was like oh. it got lost in the shuffle so you put it out there again and look at yeah. now what happened right like you just never know yeah, I'm not going to stop. Like, this, and this month yeah. just happened, to, and I had no idea that this was going to be the month of networking. 
Um, right. So that's that's what I'm doing right now. I've I've met in essence three people I wouldn't have otherwise met by giving a platform that's mine to you to help promote whatever it is that you want to do or just to get on and talk. Right. Um, and and that that works and that's that's the way that it should be and you should be doing more. You should be giving more than you expect to get and at some point you'll get something in return. So. Um, this is awesome. I hope to have you. I, what I, well, I want to have you back on when you well, complete you. it because I want to have a. I want to have like a celebratory podcast. Yeah, um, I think we could talk about climbing and all this other stuff. But you know, hats off to you, um, and keep keep doing what you're doing. I'm 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 just amazed uh, without words. Um, and 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 like you say, you know, born in the right generation, which is which is exciting and sad, right? It's like if I was born just a, a couple years earlier probably wouldn't have these opportunities, which is crazy. And so continue to fight to get everybody the opportunity. Um, Continue to get everybody the opportunity to do things like you're doing to, uh, to reach their own four minute mile. So, um, no, this is great. Did I miss anything? I don't think, I think we covered, I think a, whole so. bunch we covered a lot. I mean, I feel yeah. like I jibber jabbered forever. I should have asked. No, it's great. No, 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 <laughs> no. It's I, I, I put out, I, 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 could I could ask any other questions? I got I got think I got everything covered. Other than uh, um, no, I got it all covered. I got how long I got the, the what's left, and um, I can't wait to see it. Um, and it's great you're gonna have you. So you, I guess it's my last question. So this mountain in Australia that you're gonna do with your kids. Is that going to be your, well, you don't know if it's going to be your last or not because the other place. You know, like originally I was thinking that I was going to climb, you know, you always think that you're going to summit the first time you attempt, which is not yeah. reality. Um, so I thought I was going to summit Mount Logan in May. And then because Australia is on the opposite time of the year of us, right? Uh, the yeah. best time to climb that mountain really is October. I was yeah. told that November, December, it gets kind of black fly-ish. Yeah. I'm not a bug person. So... I was hoping to take the kids and kind of do it as a bookend. Like, hey, we set this goal. We have a GWR. Um, yeah. Let's do this together. But I might still just go with them in October and then still just have another mountain left afterwards, which yeah. is fine. Um, I just want to be able to do one of the seven with them because yeah. it all started with them. Yeah, no, that that's great. I'm, it's a, what a great way to to push your kids and, and you're definitely not a do as I say, not as I do yeah, exactly. uh, parent, which is great. So um, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Well, and, thank uh, you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Super look, fun. Look forward to having you back on uh, when it's, when it's completed and we'll absolutely stay in touch. And yeah. as, and, and as the timing is perfect, I can hear captain chaos, AKA my four-year-old chance outside my counting down, <laughs> counting down the moments for me to, to wrap up for Friday night. So, Okay. Um, that that will do it here. This is episode 99. I do have to go out uh, next week, and I have to make one, episode 100. Uh, it's actually going to be a non-BYLR member. This is a special episode that I, I didn't forget, but I, I didn't know that how many episodes I would get to before we got to 100. Um, and episode 100 is actually, and there he goes. Ah, the door open. There, there he was. Yes. Uh, episode 100 is actually going to be with my first Be Awesome client ever. Um, her name is Jenny Mather. Uh, she's got an amazing story. She is the owner of J the JM Pet Resort in Brockton, Massachusetts. And her story is awesome. And she has grown her business over the last 20 years with blood, sweat, and tears. And now has over 100 employees, a 40-some-odd thousand square foot facility that she doubled in size that was completed uh, literally months before the COVID shutdown. So um, she has gone through a lot. So we're going to have Jenny on next week. And then we're going to get right back into the BLR members. I'm going to start being a, a pleasantly persistent pain in the neck asking members to, to come on board and share their story um, and, and get on like Jen did here. So um, in the meantime, those five-star rating and reviews, please, uh, we'd love them. That's how that's what gets us to the top two and a half percent, allows us to continue to grow. If you do it, send you a free T-shirt, send me your shirt size address, and we, we put a shirt in the mail for you free of charge because we know it takes your time and you got to put your name on the line. So uh, follow, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Jen, happy climbing. And, thank you, uh, thank you. In the meantime, if you can be anything, be awesome. Have a all great right. night, everybody. Bye.